Growth isn't a coincidence. It's about thoughtful planning and purposeful execution. Join growth marketer, watch collector, and pro wrestling enthusiast, Barry Rodriguez, as he talks to successful entrepreneurs, business owners, marketers, and consultants, and gets them to share highlights of their own growth journey so that you can enrich yours. And now, here's your host, Barry Rodriguez. I want to introduce you to Nasser Aldehani, founder of Derwaza Media, a Kuwait-based digital marketing strategy agency. Now, Nasser and I go way back. I think we've known each other for about 15 years. Um, we were co-workers first, and we kept in touch even after we switched companies. He's worked in the marketing functions at various industries within the aviation and banking industries, after which he established Derwaza Media. He's an avid scuba diver and a home gardener. And he's on a home and as a home gardener he's on a mission to spread greenery around his home country of Kuwait and get people to plant more trees. Nasser, thanks for agreeing to do this man. It's, it's great having you on the podcast. We've been trying to do this for quite a while now, but here we are finally. How have you been? Always 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 a pleasure Barry. Always a pleasure to have this with you. Uh thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So, um I'm going to get straight to it, right? Because we've known each other for a while. So I'm going to get straight to it mm-hmm. and see where this goes. So you were you were doing quite well in your career, you know, in aviation and then later in banking. Um, I know you had a bright future, you know, having worked with you and all. all. What prompted mm-hmm. you to start that was a media and venture out on your own? Well, in the last 10 to 15 years, especially with the boom of social media and with the boom of technology and, um, and digital technology, especially, uh the bigger companies are more laggards in that regard like they like to take things a lot slower and i just felt like a hunger to learn a lot more about digital marketing and a lot more about social media and i felt like helping small businesses get a grasp of digital marketing get a grasp of how they can win online uh was going to be helpful for me and for them you know for while bigger companies like to take things slow i don't think this is where the world was going and i felt that was we need to like, sort of like jump ship Right, right. You mean when bigger companies are taking it slow? You mean well, most of them took it slow. I think there are a few of them that uh, that sort of were ahead of the curve, but most of them were kind of just, you know, waiting and observing and looking at what was happening. Some of them, I remember back in the day, we used to have this conversation a lot back in I don't know, ten, twelve years ago, especially with regards to social media. And most people were saying, "Oh, it's a mm-hmm. bubble. It's going to burst. You know." It's not going to last. Sure. And here we are, ten, twelve years later, and social media, social has become a vital ingredient to any marketer. Well, that's it. I mean, if, if you haven't, if you haven't jumped onto social, you're kind of losing at this stage. Uh, but before, you have to look at it this way, man. I mean, the risks for bigger companies to sort of shift their advertising budget from the true, tried and tested billboards, outdoor media, you know, like the classical above and below the line stuff to go to Facebook and to Google and to YouTube and to sort of put a lot of their marketing budget online was a big was a big bet like it's it's a big gamble for them right you know and for the most part you're also dealing with management styles that are older than than today that don't understand today's world don't understand that the conversation has moved from the, you know the physical conversations to t- to digital conversations and when they don't see how how like fruitful and deep these conversations go online they're not they're never going to trust it or it's going to take them a long time to trust the digital space so 
it was very early on. I mean, we saw it all over the all over the space. Younger people sort of bought into digital marketing a lot faster than than some of the uh, older management styles, you know. And people have paid the price, you know. Like we have big examples of Kodak and others that have paid the price for not sort of trusting this jump to digital. Yeah, true. That's that's true. All right. So business, as we know, business isn't local anymore. And by that, I'm not just talking about your your clients. I'm 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 also mm-hmm. talking about uh, your resources, right? We we no longer mm-hmm. have to be happy with hiring talent locally. If you want to hire, really absolutely not. No. Sweden, you can do that. If you want to hire a really good programmer in Serbia or in India, you can do that. What is your take on businesses using non-contracted professionals, or let's say, what's your what's your take on the gig economy? I'm totally for it. Totally for it. I mean, uh, skills. We were we were we were limited by our geography to find skill sets that meet that match the demands that we have within our businesses, right? So we wanted a graphic designer. We needed someone that we can see physically. So we had to look for a graphic designer within the 10 kilometer or 15 kilometer radius of where we are, right? Right. Uh, if you think of it this way, it sounds a little bit archaic, you know? Like we have seven plus billion people in the world, and I have to find a graphic designer that's literally 10 minutes away from where I live in this world. It's Kids. a bit. I mean, uh, well, now they it, it sounds better. a bit. Yeah. You know, it sounds a bit off right now, but what the internet and what the online world has allowed us to do is allowed me to find a graphic designer that lives in Mexico City. You know, uh, find a web developer that lives in the Ukraine. You know, find a Arabic English translator that can work with some of my clients that lives in Turkey. You know, and we're able to communicate as if we're in the same office. We communicate by email and by face and by Zoom and stuff on a regular basis. So it makes it like the people that are still trying to find people within their vicinity are sort of limiting their pool. You know, so I totally support it. I think you can find great talent out online. I think you can find great talent for great rates also online because we do have these micro economies where when there's a shortage of graphic designers in our region for example suddenly everybody wants to be paid triple or four times what they used yeah, to be paid and that true. sort of doesn't work for businesses you know so sort of flattening flattening the the pool uh, allows allows great talent to rise and also sets uh, set, sets a rate for for different for different jobs i guess that's true but do you okay so this is all good we're looking at the positive side but there's also mm-hmm. i wouldn't say the negative side but there's also a side where um you know there's there's vetting involved not just vetting in terms of trust but also vetting in terms of quality of work i mean what do you recommend people do to vet well a designer's quality of work for instance the here here's a here's an issue we went through early on with Darwaza. And now that we think about it in this way, again, it's sort of like a paradigm shift to how, how we think about it. You wouldn't hire somebody full-time in your business without meeting them. True. Right? Uh, and you wouldn't hire somebody full-time in your business without at least giving them some sort of like a, a trial task, you know, like especially if it's somebody that has an integral part in your operation. Right? right. So when it comes to classical hiring, we generally have a very good... Uh, somewhat foolproof way of vetting this person for our own business do they fit our business do they fit this culture do they fit the type of workflow that goes into this business that's true but what happens what happens online 
is we don't really go through as 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 rigorous a vetting process as we do when it comes to hiring people physically. So what we do is we look at a profile, we look at a few pictures, we look at some like some, some images some, they put some together, some portfolio. and we're not sure if it's actually their work or work that's been you know collected from Google searches and something like that. But we don't we don't go through a personal vetting process. So. For example, we do we when we hire, especially new people online, we'll, we like to put a lot of uh, simple tests within our within within even our ad call, right? So we'll make an ad call that's very detailed, and we'll make an ad call that's sort of not I wouldn't say lengthy, but um, extensive, you know, so that we we share exactly what our demands are from this specific employee. Okay. But then we'd also ask questions within this extensive uh, like ad call where we know whoever read this thoroughly and read this ad like in detail would have seen these questions that are in paragraph four you know and would have answered it to us back in his reply in his like cover letter reply. right right so we know that if we get 100 people that responded to our ad call but maybe let's say 15 to 20 people saw these questions and responded to these questions in their response we know that at least these 15 were more detail oriented than the rest and we've already filtered out 85% of the we've already filtered 85% of the people that have showed up so having having these kind of checks within your within your talent acquisition process let's put it uh, allows you to go through a few um, i mean just weed out some of the good talent from the talent that you don't need that's actually a cool very interesting hack man i should perhaps try it yeah myself. so we put a, we generally put a question like in paragraph three or four of the ad and we'll ask something like uh, in your in your in your cover letter please start by explaining what this project is and how many hours are you expected to work so if they don't answer with that as the top line we know they haven't read it because that question right. is quite quite there you know like it's quite it's visibly there yeah yeah. But again, some people do brush over these these uh, ad calls, you know, so they, they have this template that they just send to anybody yeah. and they hope somebody collects them, you know. So we this is not the talent we want at Derwaza. So we were you don't want people that are copy and paste stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. OK, I think I'm going to follow that. Thanks for that tip. OK, yeah. moving on. <clears throat> lean methodologies are all the time. Right. Everyone's talking about, oh, I'm a lean startup, I'm a lean company, I'm a lean business, whatever. One principle of, of lean marketing is to figure out the best characteristic or feature of your product and get rid of everything else if you want to succeed. So very often, mm-hmm. startups try to develop products that do too many things and end up failing. Like, So a lean startup does the opposite. We know that. Instagram is like the perfect example here. Right? They originally built a, a mobile app-based uh, social network which was built around checking into locations, making plans with friends and sharing experiences, much like I think uh, what, what Foursquare does. And in their initial beta test, they quickly realized that users loved using the app just to share pictures. And that was it. They didn't want to do anything else. Sure. Instead of devoting the resources to improving the features, all the other features, what the founders did was they just scrapped all the other features and they just kept the photo sharing and built the best app they could possibly build around that feature. Do you think marketers or brands today try to cram too many things into their products and services these days? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that people go through as business owners trying to identify what their target market is, is they always, I mean, not always, but they, there's a flawed thinking, there's a flawed thinking that says, if I take 1% of a 2 billion person market, then I have 
you know, like 10 million people in, you know, like that kind of thinking doesn't work because then you right. literally have to have a 2 billion person market and you have to have the budget for a 2 billion, billion person market and you have to have the operational like depth and, and range. Yeah. Like you need to be an Amazon and right now most startups aren't Amazons, you know, so you have to sort of start like Amazon. To be fair, right now, most startups are not going to be Amazon, just to be realistic. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) But the idea being is you're a niche, you're, I mean, for the most part, you're a niche service developer or delivery uh, business. And you need to find out of the hundred people who are your five clients, like who are your five raging clients? Who are the people that are going to talk about you? Who are the people that are going to come back and use your service? Who are the people that are like, who are your people, right? And once you've identified who your people are, you can identify exactly what services I can I can serve these people. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, for example, let's talk about web development, right? You don't have to do A to Z in web development to be a somebody who can deliver services within the web development space, oh, absolutely. right? Yeah. You can be somebody that's an SEO specialist, you know, and Correct. you can say, hey, you develop your website. When it comes to SEO, I'm your man. I'm your person. I can get this done. I can get you the best results for the least amount of money and get you your job done. Right. So now people know that, hey, if I have to think like if I have to think of this guy and say, well, web development, can he do this? Can he do that? There's so many questions in my mind. But when you when you have when you've narrowed your services to I'm your SEO guy, it's easy for me to it's easy for me to comprehend. It's easy for me to digest. It's easy for me to recommend to other people. You know, like when somebody comes and says, oh, I need some web help. I don't know if this guy's your guy because, well, he does SEO, you know, but if I know exactly you need SEO, I'm like, dude, I've worked with this guy. He's amazing or she's amazing. And this is your person because I've identified exactly what they do. They're very good at what they do. And whenever the problem arises, they, they're they're sort of top of mind when this, when, when these things pop up. So every business owner kind of needs to fit themselves within that kind of framework. So if you develop marketing strategies for people uh what, what kind of marketing strategies do you deliver are you a digital marketer only are you a, a classical marketer only do you provide like uh, are you a retargeting guy you know like are you a facebook pixel dude it skills yeah, have become define so nuanced your niche. define your niche exactly skills have become so nuanced that the more general you are you sort of get taken over by people who deliver the exact skill that that's being required so I always tell people that people have a choice paralysis when it comes to choosing people. Uh, and because there's so many people out there, you need to be, you need to stand out one. And when it comes to the services that you offer, people also have choice paralysis when you're a company that offers 25 to 30 services. Cause That's I just true. look at your service. I look at your service book and look, I look at your charts and I'm like, you do so many things. I don't know. I'd like to bundle them. Like I, I want to make it simpler for myself. So when you make it simpler for me as a person that wants your service, like you have these three core services, you know, within the services, you can break it down and, you know, like customize it as you wish. But when you present me with three core services, I can immediately tell, are these services something that I want? Is one of them, does one of them stand out for me? And am I going to choose one right now or not? The decisions become pretty fast and linear. That's true. I absolutely agree. I think I think uh, you know, I'm a big I'm a big fan of like having a niche and identifying the niche and identifying the the bunch of people that you actually help out because mm-hmm. like they say like the saying goes you know if you try to sell to everyone you end up selling to no one you're just gonna confuse everyone. But there's a there's a bit of a caveat here now. Ha- having lived in the Middle East and worked in in, in Kuwait uh, and the region, I know that there's you know while maybe a lot of the new age clients will appreciate the, this. Uh, niche targeting 
and what you want to call mm-hmm. it. There will be a lot of people, because I personally have dealt with it when we ran digital marketing services back in Kuwait. A lot of people mm-hmm. came to us and said, uh, or a lot of prospective clients, I mean, came up to us and said, well, you only do this and that. I want somebody that can do everything, so I don't want to deal with... I don't want to deal with you know five different people. I want to deal with one person that handles all my digital needs. What is your take on that? We don't have to take every client that comes our way, uh, and I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain what I'm saying here. Uh, as as a service provider, you also we as service providers have to be true with ourselves with what kind of service we want to deliver and to what level of to what caliber we want to deliver. Right. So if I want to deliver digital marketing strategies that win. I want to deliver digital marketing strategies that win. You know, I don't want clients that are mediocre. I don't want clients that have low expectations of their their future. I want clients that want to be the Amazons. You know, I want right. clients that want to be the top the top in their industry. You know, so if we match, then this is a perfect this is a perfect setup, right? So, so this is when basically it comes, you know, it's kind of like matching your aspirations. Your aspirations should absolutely, match absolutely. So. When we're a company, like for example, in Derwaza, we provide digital marketing solutions for people that want to win in a digital marketing space, right? We create we create campaigns that win for them and campaigns that sort of reduce their cost while, while increasing their productivity online. It's a very specific tool. It's a very specific like skill set of advertising. Um, it's, it's very, it's very, not all clients want to win in the digital advertising space uh, in, this, in this regard. But then again, when clients want to come and want cheap graphic design and they want to come and do this uh, do, all we want to do is a two for one sale well I'm not your guy you know right. like I'm not the person that's going to help you so we well, do they, recommend people they, out of the company yeah, and say hey just point them to Fiverr or one of those absolutely sites. absolutely so so if you're if you're aware of what's what skills you want to provide and what services you want to provide out there and you're aware of the kind of caliber you want to be operating within, then it makes it a lot easier even for you to identify the clients that walk through the door. Because if clients walk through the door and, and ask for things that you're not providing, then it's an easy, I'd love to help you, but I'm not your person. I can recommend you to A, B, or C, right? right. Uh, and you quickly get to the clients that you want to be working with. Because there's nothing worse than being a service provider that wants to deliver the best service out there, but work for clients that are, that are happy with mediocre. You know, you get frustrated, they get frustrated, you feel like you're not doing your, your full best. It, it's just a lose-lose situation, right? So the, the quicker you identify who your people are and who the people that you want to work with are, uh, you get to do the jobs that you want to do and you get to do the jobs that excite you and you get to do the jobs that you, you want to wake up for. Right. Yeah, totally agree. But then, okay, so all this is perfect. I mean, I totally agree with you, but then you do get the occasional client that does have the right aspiration, right? He oh, absolutely. They, but then they're, like you said, they're part of the laggards. You know, they they still don't understand what they want. So what if they come up to you and say, "Hey, Nasser, so I want you to help, me, but we don't know what to do." So at Derwaza, we've done projects that that have uh, that require a lot more work than our team is capable of doing. And what we've done is we've pretty much brought in other teams to help us with these uh, with these with these parts of the job, right? So we've had clients that want to develop their online presence from zero. Now, as as marketeers, where we can guide them through the process and guide them through keeping everything synergized and keeping all their keeping all their efforts in line with their goals and making sure that their goals are reachable at the end of all this uh, this orchestrated effort of building a website building a social media presence building some branding building all the building blocks to make them the brand that they want to be online 
but we're not we're not web developers so we bring in specialized web developers that fit into the team for this project you know right. so as 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 projects get more complicated and bigger uh, with regards to like the skill sets needed to, to carry out this project uh, we have no reservation with bringing in the right the right people for the job for for the client right uh, and we basically will take on the we'll take on the role of in or of a project manager and we'll put together the right skill sets needed whether it's copywriting whether it's web development whether it's what have you right so you you still lead the project there was absolutely. a way to lead the project absolutely absolutely because the, the goals we're, we're we're concerned with we're concerned with the results that the client seeks right so we try to boil down marketing to like you've said before not a lot of people understand it especially the laggards especially the people that have not been like marketing savvy with regards to you know like the things that happen within a marketing space uh, so we provide that oversight we provide them with what is it that you're trying to reach when do you want to reach it what what does a successful completion to this project look like in the eyes of the client right and then we we aim or we we, we strive to basically materialize that for them right uh, it's amazing how how few people I've seen around that really don't ask the client what does success look like for you in this project right. you know yeah because it, it sort of sets it's the a bar critical you know? question. it sets the bar like it's you don't like if you're not aware what your client thinks of as a successful project then what are you working towards <laughs> what do you yeah, do yeah because i mean that's that's sort of very critical to the alignment i mean you and your client have to be aligned and this is like, i totally agree with you lots of people kind of mess this up because if your client has a different uh, idea of what success looks like at the end of the campaign or in, at the end of the project then uh, it's just it's just it just doesn't make sense working with that client. it's also it's also a critical point early on in the project to realign the client's expectations as well right right Goals uh, many many yeah. times we'll go with we'll take a client on and the client has a limited budget and they want to do a very specific campaign for let's say Ramadan or something you know like some for some very seasonal specific campaign that they want to pull off and we ask them what success looks like to you and they say well i'm selling about 5000 pieces a month now i want to sell 15000 i'm like okay we need to take a break then this expectation is unreal you know you're spending x amount and you're doing this for like a 3 a 3 month period you're not going to quadruple or triple your sales when this campaign so we end up having this talk early on before the client invests what they want to invest and before the client spends time and money and effort to sort of get this project up and running by sort of grounding everybody's expectations and putting correct expectations or reasonable expectations to the efforts that are about to be placed right so if you if you don't have these conversations and the client literally walks into this deal expecting a a three times or a four time increase in sales and this had this discussion hasn't taken place you you automatically lose because they thought you're going to you know give them threefold on their yeah, sales true. even though that was out of even though that was whack you know even though that's a little way too way too over exaggerated of an expectation but you never had that conversation you know so the whole of these three months you were both walking towards very different goals and as as ludicrous as it was you're they're going to be disappointed at the end of it because they're not going to feel like they got what they wanted you're not going to feel like you delivered what you were set out to deliver for them yeah and it's true. just the you're setting up you're setting yourself up for failure there yeah totally I agree with you man it's very critical to have that conversation all right so moving on you've you know you're you're a small or hang on let me let me rephrase that you're a growing company <laughs> you're you're, you're a, a growing company 
right? So you're a growing company in the region and you've managed to close out some pretty big names for clients, right? So yeah. what's the secret to getting a prospect interested in you, especially if you're a smaller player and most larger companies want to work with the established names in the industry? I've, I've been through this, you know, back in Kuwait where, uh, you know, we were we were rather small and when we were pitching, uh, we'd get the messages from, from the clients saying, oh, but you know what, OMD is pitching for this and so-and-so is pitching for this and they're way bigger than you guys are. And we'd be like, you know what, it's fine. We're just going to, you know, throw our names in the hat and see what happens. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we deliver a pretty mean prop- value proposition as well. So what is your take on this and how have you managed to overcome these obstacles? Uh, okay, so we generally have a policy within Darwaza that we don't, we don't, uh, we don't chase clients, if I can put it that way. Right, right. So, so you have a sort of like an inbound or people. We have, you. we do have an inbound. We do have an inbound uh, sales approach. Uh, if we are, we're a digital marketing company that, that specializes in basically go-to-market strategies for people that want to sell a new product or a new service in the market. So we penetrate and get the clients that they need, expose them to the audience that they want to be exposed to. Right. And if we right. can't do this for ourselves, then what's the point? You know. Right. So Absolutely. our our job is to do a job good enough that people around this business will look at them and say hey who did this stuff for you i want to know who your digital marketer was i want to know who your buying agent was you know for your sale for your ads and put me in touch with them so the way the way we like to work is a a we're a small we're a small firm with with limited resources and we can only do so many things at one time we it's hard for us in the beginning we tried to go for the biggest the biggest fish we could and the problem was they sapped all our resources you know uh, they're a company that likes to have multiple meetings before anything happens. They have so many approval, so many approval uh, channels before anything gets moved. It was just slow, even though the project was good and it paid well. But for us, it was too slow for project and it ate up so much of our resources that we ended up saying, you know what, this isn't worth it. You know, like it's we can we can be targeting smaller businesses that are more lean, that can make decisions faster, that have that have a higher like that have a higher. Uh, they're 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 much more linear in their approach, mm-hmm. and that right. way we can take on more clients. Even though that one client was paying a lot, if we take three clients that are let's say half that size, we can make double the amount with with just as much effort. So. What right. we did early on is we decided not to sort of send our send. send we we don't have tender proposal documents. We don't we don't go into like. Right, you tenders. don't you don't participate. We basically work on the word of mouth of the clients that we work with, and we 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 express our expertise in what we do uh, clearly to those that seek us. You know, uh, and it's 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 slow to start, but believe me, it picks up because your work your work does everything for you. You know. Right. It speaks for itself. Exactly. Brilliant, man. I like that. Okay, so <clears throat> we are all experiencing the effect of COVID-19, right? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, now, I'm an eternal optimist, and I, I know that things are going to get better. You know, the economy is going to bounce back, and we're going to be back in our office soon, hopefully, and, and the daily grind will continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I know things are different from, you know, depending on where you are in the world right now. Right now, here in the UK, we're in lockdown, you know, lockdown three, so we're back to working from home, and it's... Uh, it's tough, you know, but for a lot of a lot of us, I think it's uh, it's the understanding that this is going to be the new normal, quote unquote, for for a while at least. Uh, so I know that we we know that things are going to get back soon, hopefully. But we also know that things will change quite a bit and and permanently in the long term. I mean, they have to. 
So what do you think the aftermath of the pandemic is going to be for a majority of businesses? I mean, let's assume that we're sitting and having this podcast chat in 2022 or 2023. What do you think is going to be, you know, what, what do you think is going to be happening in 2022 or 2023? After wow, we such a big question. This hurdle of the pandemic. I know we don't have crystal balls and stuff, but, you know, it's, it's nice to it's nice to get people's perspective on what they think is going to happen in the future. I mean, I know for one Let's thing, say, a lot more people are gonna are gonna consider remote work, absolutely. and I know a lot of people, a lot of companies are gonna consider uh, uh, getting remote employees, because I mean, I'm speaking again from a UK perspective. You, you know how it is. You've lived here, uh, especially mm-hmm. in London. Real estate is really expensive, so it's sort of, it'll save. It's gonna save. Uh, so I I already know a few companies cash. that have downsized, uh, especially right. their offices. Uh, they've moved from pretty large uh, commercial real estate to a much much smaller office and had most of their staff sort of work online now uh, okay. because like you said real estate is expensive and if clients aren't as plenty as they used to be or work isn't as plenty as it used to be then they'd like to sort of bring down their fixed costs uh, True. what I, I like from my from my well, outlook actually you know what, what, what i, I want sure. to just uh, throw this in i remember because i'm i i was one of the you know the last i think the, we were one of the last traditional marketers to jump on the digital bandwagon but you know having i think way back in early 2000 uh when i joined you know my, my aspiration was always to, to get in get into advertising and eventually i ended up mm-hmm. with marketing which i love by the way there's no regrets but in advertising i noticed that there was this thing where you know traditional advertising agencies when you when they would pitch there was this uh there was this thing where it was unwritten obviously it was no rule mm-hmm. that you had to do it but there was a thing that once an advertising agency pitched and they came over to your offices and they pitched and they did this really cool fancy presentation uh, there was an unwritten rule that you know if you wanted to seek them out, you had to go to their offices and look at their facilities and see if they had a, a cool office and meet all their staff and stuff. You know, fast forward 20 years, I don't think that's the norm. I don't think people really give a damn about where you're working as long as you work, as long as you're delivering the work. Uh, and that is something that is really cool that has transpired out of all this, you know, this pandemic thing. Because mm-hmm. I don't think people care. even. I think even uh, before the pandemic, a little bit. Um, yeah, it is a little bit. Yeah, yeah. People were moving towards, you know, people were moving towards the pandemic. The we know because we were working. Up, I, I, I used to work in a co-working space uh, from 2000, from since I moved here mm-hmm. for the last two years. Yeah, I've seen you a few and, times. Uh, yeah, and 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 nobody really, you know, they didn't they didn't really bat an eye. You know, you would say, okay, we're working at a WeWork or we're working at a whatever, you know, a boutique workspace, which is where we used to work. At, you know, I just say, hey, you know, if there's a prospect client come on over we're a boutique workspace we're based in london bridge and nobody would bat an eyelid well and this is two this things 10, 15 years ago two things would be a different scene two things i think really really have affected uh, sort of the flattening of this uh, job market right uh one right. is people's portfolios are out there for everyone to see when it when it was right. when it was big fancy companies and big fancy offices with big fancy yeah, it was all gated. labor right you you as a service require you as somebody that wants the service have no means or it's very difficult for you to go and find 10,000 portfolios for you to cross check and for you to find who your copywriter is you know uh, so Correct. it was a lot easier to go with a big blue chip established company with big you know penthouse offices because you're like hey if they can afford to pay a million dollars a year on rent then obviously they have the they have the work for it right so it right. just made it, 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 it made it an easier choice uh, it made it an easier choice because money kind of speaks for itself if you can keep that going obviously your business is successful enough to keep going right so uh, 
from a from a basic thinking perspective it's kind of rational but then again marketing has changed too you know before when it was 15 20 years ago how can you gauge success of projects you can't it's so hard you know like how do you gauge the success of a billboard that's on the i95 you know absolutely it, you yeah. can't do it so you can only gauge it on the success of the product you can only gauge it on the success of the company and the success of the product or company has so many other factors that are involved in it you know the size of that company how they do business the relationships they have with their market so it was a lot it, the way that we gauge the success of marketing projects was very very different than it is today today we can gauge the success of a single ad we can gauge the success True. of a single True. subset we can it's, a, it, it's a data-driven of, economy we're exactly living right now. so now we know who's running better ads we know who's writing better copy we know who's developing better campaigns you know not not subjectively objectively so true, it becomes true. a lot easier if you're somebody that's successful in your trade and if you're somebody that does something well better than the like a majority of the people your peers around you it's not hard to it's not it's it's not hard to to show yourself because you're out there your numbers are out there even facebook has like uh, case studies of people that have successfully done facebook ads you know and these people aren't mm-hmm. all blue chip companies these people are you know like, yeah, true. Uh, some uh, you know, freelancers that are just you know having a second gig while they finish college but they happen to be some of the best digital marketers out there you know so it sort of have it's it's pulled the rug from under some of the big companies like it's it showed people how inefficient some of these big expensive firms are uh for let's say for many reasons their lack of talent acquisition and their lack of you know what have you uh but for t- in today's world it's a lot easier to find the talent you want that specifically fits your project and it's not always the best that you're looking for sometimes you're looking for somebody who's like i want somebody who has a rock and roll vibe because i need that for my client you know i need somebody who has a hippie vibe because i need that for my client i need someone with a super positive you know like a sunny outlook on copywriting because the client needs that kind of that kind of skill so now you're able to really mold skills into the projects that you have and find the right yeah, people without, with without the, having with the right without parts. having to employ them and have have them on your payroll absolutely absolutely yeah going back to the uh, our initial mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. and another thing that i also like to like to i mean I, i like to discuss this a lot with with the people here as well is like i think because i think old-fashioned or traditional marketers uh, it was very hard to determine who was really good and who wasn't because i think the old marketers uh the ones that were really good i mean there were very 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 few of them that were actually really good i think most of them that were perceived as successful attained that success because they were they were relying on two things two skills one was they were good at advertising and when i mean advertising i mean the old school advertising mm-hmm. you know print and and commercial whatever where a lot of the work was done by the agency mm-hmm. and two um a lot of them a lot of these people were good with pr so back in the day if you were good with advertising and if you were good with pr which were by the way the main ingredients to marketing back in the day 20 mm-hmm. years 30 years before i'm talking about madman style absolutely uh, you know ads and stuff yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but fast forward to today right? i mean nobody really cares about the you know the fanfare and stuff they want results they want data-driven oh, results they want it they want you to take a look at insights so right now i think a today's marketer needs to be way more well-rounded if you're a marketer today you need you, you don't need to be the best at everything but you need to have a decent understanding of google analytics you need to have a decent understanding of copywriting you need to have a decent 
decent understanding of social media uh you know about about uh maybe even even a bit about the you know, behavioral psychology absolutely and how how your prospects and consumers think uh, and this is these are traits that old school marketers did not have which is why i always believe that new age marketers or digital marketers of this generation the really good ones uh you know they they their work stands out stands stands out for itself and that is what all digital marketers should aim to do they should they should become well-rounded marketers instead of and and then also obviously i mean if you're familiar with the with the whole t-shaped marketer concept mm-hmm. you know you're, you're good at a lot of things but really 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 good at like one or two things so you yeah. still have that niche you know that niche and that niche is what what sort of propels you forward but the other nine or ten things that you're average that, that you're good at uh they will also help you in understanding how mm-hmm. other projects are driven so you know that's that's like it, it gives you a broader perspective a broader understanding of uh, digital marketing in in general so technically it actually it, it is you know the old saying uh, you know jack of all trades master of none well you have to be a jack of all trades today it's kind of like you know it's it's the opposite of what the old uh, the old saying was um, you have to be a jack of all trades but a master of a few well sure i mean there's a few skills i think we all need right uh there's a few skills in today's like gig economy that we all kind of need to possess otherwise it'll be hard for us to sort of even succeed in this economy which is we need to we need to be good at sales we need to be good at selling ourselves we need to be good at selling our product we need to be good at selling the services that we want to sell uh we need to be good people people we need to be able to communicate with people effectively yes. we need to be able to communicate with people in the ways that they're comfortable with you know some people love a phone conversation you know some some people love to like have a 15 minute walk and talk to you on the phone some people love a very organized very detailed you know paper trail of communication so that i know when i want whenever i want to review it i know what you've told me yesterday so being able to discern how to sort of uh engage with people is a very very important skill today even though most of our conversations have gone digital it's there's there's still nuances there so there's the few skills like selling yourself and being able to sort of be empathetic to people's uh, styles is very important but other than that i also think that specialization is key you know uh true set godin he has he has a few a few like amazing talks about the 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 thinking behind marketing and he says something like people want a th- you know a market of 10,000 people i tell you you know narrow it down to the top 100 people in your market and then find out what they want you know if you can serve the 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 smallest amount of people in your market then you've served something very very specific and by serving something specific you've you've isolated yourself from the crowd you know be the purple right. cow as they say or so i think there's a there's a term he uses purple cow like stand out uh, if you're just a regular cow amongst a field of cows nobody nobody identifies any single cow in this you like sorry to use cows for this but i think that was his thing but you need to be that purple cow you need to be the person that sort of sticks out within this farm to say i want to know what they're doing because they're doing something very specific and it's interesting and it might be something that i want Now that might be something I want may not be for everyone you know like you may have 1000 people walk past your profile and 980 people just walk right past it but there's 20 people right. that would stop and just like say you are the person I've been wait- waiting to find you know and it's those 20 people that you need to service because once you've serviced them th- like a business that wants to do well in the food space probably knows other food industry food food businesses mm-hmm. right and once you've succeeded right. there there's eyes on that business and people like success success build success you know but absolutely try, i think purple cow is, is is a book is a book that he wrote as well purple cow um, okay. I, i i 
yeah i i found it someone was looking at some other set golden 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 stuff but yeah maybe now that you mentioned it about his talk maybe we should read that book it's uh i mean i i like what he talks about he's quite a high level he, he talks about the human aspect of marketing and i think a lot of people yes. a lot of people sort of overlook that a lot of people want to know the you know give me the right equation to you know to solve this dilemma yeah there there is no formula there is no formula you know? like if you understand people so ha- hacks are very like a lot cuz i'm in growth marketing right mm-hmm. so a lot of people mm-hmm. ask me hey so what is a hack for this what is that? i'm like listen that this there's no hack long term a hack will will only serve in the short term and then once people get wind of it then it's no no longer a hack it just becomes the regular thing to do but what you should if you if you develop instead of a growth hacking mentality and there's a difference here instead of a growth hacking mentality if you adopt a growth mindset and a growth marketing mentality uh, where you're constantly you know looking out for new ways to expand the business and grow and acquire new customers and sort of you know create a framework and and build your business around that growth framework that's when you're going to succeed because that framework you can take bits and pieces out of the framework it's like a big jigsaw puzzle absolutely puzzle and you can take bits and pieces that don't work and make something that works for 6 months and then after 6 months it it just loses its the experiment loses its efficacy you can take mm-hmm. those bits that don't work and replace them with bits that do you don't have to throw the whole framework out and that's the thing with the thing with a growth hack is that if you're you're just doing one experiment and if it fails you're relying on that one experiment to bring you new customers or well, bring you new leads or whatever that's that's and your hack fails, then you're back to the right? drawing board yeah that's your hack but it's also the answer that people don't want to hear when somebody True. asks you what the hack is and the hack is be a lifelong learner you know be somebody that's yeah. experimenting all the time when there's a question in front I mean, of you right. that you don't know the answer to the first thing you should say is let's test it you know let's test this yeah. versus that but that presents it that that's that's the hard way out you know and people don't want that <laughs> Yeah, true. I know. I I I've been doing this like recently I did a a LinkedIn uh, webinar, LinkedIn training webinar. And I I'm somebody that built my organ I I built my following purely organically just by posting the right kind of content. And and again, I mean, I've been on LinkedIn for about 10 years now, right? But the thing is for the first 8 years, I had about 6-700, you know, people on my profile. My profile wasn't getting a lot of traction. So in April of 2019, I decided I'm going to consciously work on my LinkedIn profile. uh and and what i've managed to do over the last 2 years or so is build you know, meaningful relationships you know build a content library of really value based content that people consume on a regular basis and people are always you know thanking me for it and that's how i'm generating a lot of leads and a lot of traction for my brand mm-hmm. and i've grown my following so when i delivered this webinar it was for free and i just told people hey this is what you can do towards the end i got a lot of people ask me questions like so what's the what's the one hack that you use i was like there is no one hack that i use you know i, I, I the, you know the, at the end of the day nothing beats consistency and hard work or work and if you don't want to put hard work fine but you still got to work towards your goal you still got to dish out content on a regular basis you still got to engage with other people you still got to do your research and look at your insights and your analytics and see what's performing and what's not you still got to test and experiment and these are things that I mean they're not hacks they're just things that you need to do to grow right but people like you said people don't want to hear the truth they want to hear this oh what's the silver bullet that you use what's this magic pill you know i i i want i want the beanstalk but mm-hmm. you know i don't climb it i want to i want to i want somebody to build a rocket so i can get to the top and this just it doesn't happen this doesn't happen well i mean it happens if you have some billions of dollars to spend and sort of sit back you yeah, know but for for most yeah. for 99.9% of the people out there you need to work at it you know and if if we believe that what the internet has done is flatten the market then 
you also have to believe that now you're in a race with everybody else you know like you if you don't stand out you you can sit back but sitting back you're not going to stand out by sitting back so you need yeah, to it's like now it's like everybody's superman right so now you're back and you're back in krypton right? exactly. you're not back on earth we all have, we all have the same we can all have the same access to the same platforms we all have the same access to the same you know talent out there so what are you going to do with it yeah absolutely man all right so we're going to wrap this up very quickly your favorite quote mm-hmm. uh says sometimes you've got a zig while everyone else is zagging <laughs> by richard, richard branson right? i love yeah. the guy man. i love the guy um obviously you like to do things that regular people aren't regularly doing sure. now how has this philosophy helped you in life you know, both personally and professionally well if you go back to trying to stand out obviously doing doing you know like walking against the tide does does allow you to stand out uh one two uh from a theoretical perspective once most people are onto something then usually the fad is gone or usually the hype is over right so you don't you right. don't want to be the guy that buys amazon stock once at once the once the call to buy it is already in the newspapers right if if the newspapers telling you to buy the stock you're probably a lot late to the game right so trying right. to identify paths to walk down uh it's basically it's 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 a, it's an idea that says if most people are trying to do something then it's obviously it's over so try to find what the next thing is and try to hop on to hop on elsewhere you know because usually the growth isn't going to be happening in this space. Uh so going back to that to that quote try to zig while everybody zags is don't don't follow the tide, you know? Don't follow the herd. And if people are all going in a specific direction, then likelihood the success you're looking for isn't going to be there. So at least that's one avenue that you shouldn't be going down. Awesome, man. Great. What well, Nasser we're going to wrap up today's episode. Habibi, Habibi, um, first I want to th- first I want to thank the listeners for tuning in. Um I want to thank you for your insights on digital marketing and growth and and the way business is moving forward. It was great having you on Talking Growth. Um especially your you're actually one of the first guests on the show. Technically you're you're the second guest right. on the show depending on when we release it. But yeah, it's good <laughs> to be in the top 3, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um and and we're going to be keeping an eye on you and the Raza Media and hope uh, you blaze a trail for others thank you thank you very much very ladies and gentlemen thanks for listening to another episode of talking growth with me your host Barry Rodriguez we hope you found this episode interesting and insightful take care and stay tuned for the next one keep learning keep networking keep evolving <laughs>